Well, good morning if you're listening to this in the morning, good afternoon if it's afternoon, good evening if it's evening. Uh, This is part three of the question, and by that we mean the question I've been asked probably more times than any other as, as a pastor, as a leader in the church, is what is God's will for my life? And uh, that's a, a valid question. I mean, we want to know. But sometimes what we're asking is, what can I do that I'll be good at, I'll be prosperous at, I'll be remarkable at, and keyword do. What can I do? Whereas I believe that God's answer to that question is more about who we are becoming. And therefore, this series could go on forever talking about the things that God wants us or who God wants us to become. But I'm just for the sake of brevity, going to leave it at these three podcasts. This will be the last one of the year. I'm sure next year I'll, or next week, I'll take a break because of the holidays and everything. Um, and if I sound a little bit tired, I am. We spent last week at my daughter's house um, taking care of my uh, granddaughter, my six-year-old granddaughter, who can be a bundle of energy, and four dogs while my daughter gave birth to our sixth grandchild uh, unto us. A child is born, a boy, a son, um, a grandson. 10 pounds, six ounce Kylo James was born last Monday. And so uh, Brittany had to stay in the hospital for a few days. So we took care of the house and the dogs and all that and waited until she got home and got settled. Slept on an air mattress all week (laughs) with the dogs that woke us up in the middle of the night. So we're still recovering. So if I sound tired, I am tired, praise God. Uh, But I wanted to get this done because I I thought that, man, this is a season of opportunity. We're going to talk about that word in a minute. But um, the Christmas season is a great, great season to be a reflection of the grace and mercy of Jesus to those around us. And we'll get deeper into that in a second. One of the things that came out of uh, the time at the hospital the day that Brittany had the baby, we were all at the hospital uh, in the room with her before they took her in, and we got the opportunity to spend some time talking to Carol. Carol is my son-in-law's mother, and son-in-law James's mother. She was a Walmart employee, 28 or 29-year employee at the store where that tragic shooting took place just a couple of weeks ago in Chesapeake. She was in the room. The, the, she watched it all happen. The shooter had the opportunity to take her out and did not. It was later discovered uh, through a note, I think on his phone, that there was one employee, he had a list of employees he was going to shoot. He also took his own life, if you don't know about the story. But he listed one that he was not going to shoot because she was like a mother to him. She listened to him and spoke to him, showed him respect. Well, apparently this guy had received massive disrespect. He was, According to witnesses, he wasn't a very good manager. He'd been complained on numerous times. He'd been complained on to corporate. Now there are lawsuits because people are saying Walmart did not do what they should have done much earlier on. Um, but Carol, who is a believer, uh, told us, you know, we didn't ask, by the way. She just volunteered. I think Susan said, so how are you doing, Carol? We already knew that, according to her son, she'd been really, really struggling emotionally with sleep, and she's on medication and stuff. She's just really dealing with some emotional stuff, as you as you can imagine. She was present during all of it, heard it all, saw it all, ran away from it all. Um, and she went into detail and told us the entire story, like blow by blow. 
in answer to Susan's question. We certainly weren't going to try to pull it out of her. Susan just asked, how are you doing? And she told us how it all, all went down. And it was it's amazing to me to say that, well, this guy, apparently he was a loner. Uh, he was disliked by everyone. Yet Carol extended mercy and grace to this guy. Apparently, the day before, the week before, something, she had actually sat at the table and spent a great deal of time just talking to him, listening to him, being a friend to him. This guy lived alone, apparently had no friends, was doing well financially. His mother had died of cancer. And uh, so I kind of want to believe anyway that, that this is why he didn't target Carol, is because she was a person that was extending the mercy and grace of God. And uh, obviously, I believe the angels protected her as well. And so I I look at that and I go, man, you know, through the years, I have tried to be what I call a champion of the underdog. And even as I'm saying this, I was thinking, I wonder why that is. Um, by that, I mean, like, when I worked in a high school and they said that uh, this kid you know, coming into the school, was coming back to school. Uh, he'd been, like, suspended for a year or something, and he was coming back to the school. Everybody warned me he was trouble. You know, man, you better watch out for this guy. And something in me was like, well, I'm going to— if you see the movie Spirited, by the way, which is on Apple TV, I think, um, there's a character that, that one of the—it's it's basically a spin off the Scrooge, the Christmas Carol— and they're picking a person to go bring the ghost of Christmas past, present, and future to to try to redeem this person that is has a personality like Scrooge. And uh, his file, they bring out this guy's file, and he's labeled unredeemable. And I just don't believe, um, I don't like to think of people as unredeemable. If Jesus could redeem me, he can redeem anybody. So I, anyway... I looked at this boy like you know, they were trying to tell me this boy is unredeemable. And uh, I was like, man, that's, that's, that's who I want to talk to. So I ended up, his name was Phil, Philip. And uh, I found out he played guitar. Man, the guitar has been such uh, an olive branch for me. Now, I'm a cop in the school, by the way. I'm not a security guard. I am a Gloucester County sheriff assigned to the school. And uh, so there's a stigma attached to that. This guy is on the opposite end of the spectrum. Apparently, uh, a, a little criminal. Uh, you know, he's fought teachers. He's just a mess. And but the guitar. So I extend, you know, hospitality of some sort to the guy when he shows up. Shake his hand, like, "Hey, Phil, man, I'm I'm glad you're here, man. Let's make it work." You know, I mean, and I, I don't know. So I don't even remember what I said. But I, when I found out he played guitar and he had a little bit of a band, I said, "I need to come over and sit in with you guys one day." So sure enough, I did. After school one day, I went over to this gloomy basement. Um, by the way, I'm not boasting in how awesome I am. This is Jesus in me. And I, and I think I figured out a little bit why uh, I've been had this bent, that show me the one that nobody wants to reach out to. Show me the one that everybody's neglecting, the one that's got all kinds of labels. Show me that one. That's the one I want to go after. And so I went to the basement, and man, they were playing like this satanic heavy metal. And I was in, at that time, I was in a kind of a Christian metal band with my brother and some, my wife and some another guy from the church. Uh, but I played guitar with him for a while, and, you know, he knew where I was coming from. He knew that I was a leader at the church, and he was almost the polar opposite. I mean, 
I, I, I felt the presence of demons in that basin, basement. I'm not lying. Uh, but I still, you know, I was like, I'm, I'm going to reach out to this guy. Well, nothing really came of it other than that. I, I left the high school, became a youth pastor, and left the area. I don't remember what happened to Philip. I, I think it was about, that. now this was in the mid-90s, by the way. Well, I discovered his brother had been killed by a car in Gloucester County, where I'd been living at the time when I was at the high school. He was crossing the road trying to help a stalled motorist and got hit by a car and was killed. So for whatever reason, I was like, oh, that's his brother. I wonder whatever happened to Philip. And I found him on Facebook. And he writes back and, and tells me, he's down in Florida. He said, yeah, man, I, I just want you to know that I gave my heart to the Lord. You know, I've been serving the Lord. Man, I remember you. I remember you came to the basement and you said blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay. I don't remember exactly what I said, but isn't that awesome, you know, that maybe I got to plant a couple of seeds, and that's what we try to do with our ministries, just plant seeds. We can't make it grow. We can plant, we can water, but we can't make anything grow. And so we stayed in touch. We haven't been in touch for a while. Um, but it, just remarkable that here was somebody that was labeled unredeemable, and God put it in my heart to seize the opportunity to do whatever I could to reach out to this person that was in my path. And so through the years, having this kind of... Uh, I don't know. Like whenever I've been on staff at a church, there's always been at least one, one kid that was either, you know, uh, had a mental disability or was emotionally challenged or whatever. That I, and people neglected. People didn't like them. They didn't like their personality. They avoided them. And I felt like I was supposed to intentionally reach out to these people, and somehow at least, you know, and and rarely saw immediate change. And and but I got to see it in Philip, and I've seen a couple others through the years. And I, I, I guess the reason for that is that, well, I was an underdog. I was somebody that maybe was labeled unredeemable, at least by the public school systems in Norfolk, Chesapeake, and Virginia Beach, who all put me out of their high schools. <laughs> um, I, I, was, I could have easily been voted the most likely to be dead or in prison by the time I was 21. But God redeemed me, and I never really thought about it like when I, I was just in, in my bent to seize those opportunities. And, but I think that's Christ in us that causes that. I think it was Christ in Carol that caused her to, you know, extend grace and mercy to this uh, young man when everyone else was apparently against him. And so that's part of who God wants us to become. That's his will, that we become pictures of his love to the world around us. You know, Jesus was asked what the greatest commandment is, and he said to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself, that all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Um, both, at least, Matthew and Luke record this, and in Luke, it goes into the uh, parable of the Good Samaritan, which I want to uh, lean on for a minute here. Uh, Apparently, when he when Jesus said that, um, the or actually Jesus had asked the asked back a Pharisee. So this might have been two different accounts. Um, the Pharisee said, or the teacher of the law said, "What must I do to inherit eternal life?" And Jesus said, "What is written in the law, and how do you read it?" And so the teacher quoted back. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Um, 
and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said, you have answered correctly, do this and you will live. And then the teacher said, well, who is my neighbor? And here's where Jesus went into the story of the Good Samaritan, which really doesn't call him a Good Samaritan, just calls him a Samaritan. We, we made that part up. In reply, Jesus, this is Luke chapter 10, verse 30. In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite. When he came to the place and saw him, he saw him, but he passed by on the other side. Both of them saw this man beaten and laying in a ditch, I guess, on the side of the road. They saw him, and they passed by on the other side. Uh, but a Samaritan... And if you've been in church any length of time, you know the significance of this. Um, the guy beaten on the side of the road was likely a, a full-bred Jew. Samaritans were kind of half-breeds. Um, and so it's funny how the Lord chooses the Samaritan woman in the story of the woman by the well. Uh, he reaches out to her. And here we have a Samaritan. The other two are clearly Jewish, a, a Jewish priest and a Jewish Levite. They neglect the guy. But the Samaritan, who probably has a reason to have a grudge, who, who you know, they were despised by the full-bred full bred Jews, right? They, they, and yet it was the Samaritan, as he traveled, came to where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring, out, uh, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said. When I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you have. Jesus said, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law required the one who had mercy on him. Jesus said, go and do likewise. So when we talk about loving uh, our neighbor the way that we love ourselves, we're often talking about people that are way different than us. Um, we, we, and we have this opportunity around us all the time if we're looking. I, I want to look at this word love. Yeah, the word love, okay? The word love in the Bible, there's different meanings. Sometimes it can mean love like a friend, you know, like a brother. It can mean love like you love pizza, the, the Greek meanings of the word love. But the word love used here um, in, in both of these passages in Matthew and Luke uh, that Jesus uses and that the, when the Pharisee quote or the teacher quotes it back to him, the word love your, your, the Lord your God, love your neighbor, uh, it is comes from agapo, agapo um, which means actively doing what the Lord prefers. Um, it means, well, it says this in the definition uh, from the lexicon, it's always defined by God, a discriminating affection which involves choice, and selection. We choose to do it. We choose to do, to be actively do what the Lord prefers. So what is God's will for our life? Well, it's to love him and then to reflect his love to those around us. And this seems very, very basic, but let's dig in for a minute. Um, in Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, 
Paul said this, he wrote this, let us not become weary in doing good at the, at the proper time, we'll reap a harvest if we don't give up. Most of us know that. Verse 10 says, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. So here's what I want to key in on for a minute, is that word opportunity. That word means a fitting season. Um, it means an occasion of time, uh, a set of circumstances that makes it possible to do something. Um, you know, I heard one guy describe it, the Latin word, we get it from the Latin, by the way, the word opportunity. Uh, it's like if you're trying to set sail in a boat, you, you know, you're waiting for the tide to come into the harbor, and that's when you set sail. If you wait too long, the tide will go back out. And so in, in this season of Christmas, for example, to me, is a great opportunity. The tide comes in. It's a great season to do good, to extend mercy and grace to those that are around us. First, to recognize them, to see them as one thing, to see people that are hurt, that are beaten, that are robbed. Sometimes, uh, well, many times, people are robbed of the truth. They don't know the truth. And so building a bridge to those people and trying to communicate truth to them. So it's a great season to extend mercy and grace. And that brings up, well, what is the difference between mercy and grace, this thing we're supposed to extend to people? Um, I think I may have talked on a podcast about pity and compassion, that pity is a feeling and emotion that we feel bad. You know, you may have thought, I mean, the Levite and the teacher uh, or the priest that walked by on the other side, they may have had a little bit of pity. They may have said, oh, that poor guy, uh, that's a shame, isn't it? Um, but they didn't do anything. Whereas compassion takes action, and it's very akin to mercy. But mercy, mercy. I looked up the definitions of these because we, we're calling our, our tour this year Chasing Grace. Mercy's been a big theme about why we do what we do. It's like, well, what is the difference between mercy and grace? Well, to some degree, mercy is to pardon deserved punishment. One definition is that benevolence, mildness, or tenderness of heart which disposes a person to overlook injuries and to treat an offender better than he deserves. That, that's mercy. Mercy is to say, you know what? You're, well, I mean, when we go into prison, we kind of got to overlook or pardon what these guys and gals have done. Some of them have done some horrible things. But, you know, through, through Jesus, we've got, to, we've got to say, you know what? I'm going to let that go. And we try not to look at these guys and gals as if they are a murderer or a rapist. or They may have done those things, but we try to, to in, in the moments that we're with them, to say, you know what? We're going to overlook that because Jesus extends mercy. And we're going to look at you as, as a man or a woman um, that, that needs ministry. And so that's mercy, whereas grace, and, and we need this, right? We, we've been shown mercy. All of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, yet he does not treat us as our sins deserve, the word says. Grace, on the other hand, is this favor, this goodwill and kindness. Um, it's, it's the unmerited favor. It's the icing on the cake. Not only am I going to forgive you, it's this. Mercy, it, well, pity is seeing the man in the, beat up on the side of the road and robbed. 
That's, oh, you feel bad, but you go on about your business. We, we all the time, we're looking at the news, Lord, Facebook. By the way, we weren't intended to bear the burdens of the whole world. But if you get on Facebook, you see the saddest things or the news, and, and you can feel pity, okay? And that's okay. We, we should feel, oh, that's terrible. But where we cross that line, well, okay, now I, I, I feel pity, but I need to show compassion. I need to do something. Well, in order to do that, you've got to, that's showing mercy. You've got to say, you know what, this person may be different than me. This, this person may believe completely different than me. They may stand for things that I despise, but they need mercy. They need compassion right now. So mercy is going to overlook it. So that's that Samaritan walk along the road. He sees the guy. Surely he felt pity first. Then he, he wanted to, he felt compassionate. I've got to do something. Well, mercy had to step in and go, you know what? This is a Jew, and you know that they've maltreated, they've mistreated you. you. You know that they despise Samaritans. He had to pardon that and say, yeah, but this is a person who needs help. So he reached out to him. The grace was that he bandaged his wounds. He took him to the inn. He, he spent money at the inn. He left money with the innkeeper when he left. And then he said, I'm going to reimburse you whatever else it takes to take care of this man. It's, it's, it's what God does for us. He not only forgives us, or he took pity on us. He showed compassion through Jesus on the cross. Through his mercy, through Jesus, he overlooks our offenses, cast our sins as far as the east is from the west. And on top of that, He blesses us with things we never could have earned, we certainly do not deserve. And that, I believe, is who, that's God's will for our lives, that we become that, that we become people that are moved by compassion to do something, and then we interject mercy, we see it through the lens of mercy and say, look, it's very tempting, it's very, very tempting to let uh, racial bias, socioeconomic bias, um, I mean, Look, there are people that look at what we do in prison, for example, and they go, "What? They don't deserve. They deserve to be in prison the rest of their life." Where's the mercy? Where I heard uh, the head of federal prisons a few years ago gave a speech at a conference I was at, and he said, "Mercy and grace, or mercy, mercy and justice, can work together for a redemptive cause." And so we have to see people in prison through a lens of mercy to say, it doesn't matter what you did. I mean, you're already in prison. I'm still going to not only um, take pity on you, show you mercy, but I'm going to give you something you didn't earn, you didn't earn, something that you don't deserve. When we bring in our programs, for example, we try to go the extra mile. I've said it before, we could go in with an acoustic guitar and a Bible and it would be cool. But we try to bring in this big show, bring in great musicians. This year, we're trying to bring a full band everywhere we go. By the way, end of the year giving, please help us if you can. Um, we we, we got to finance this thing. But we're, try, we're trying to be a picture of not only God's mercy, but His grace to say, look, we do this not because you deserve it. Not matter of fact, you deserve the polar opposite, perhaps. You don't deserve anything for people to come in here to the things you've done. But to show you that Jesus is full of mercy and grace, we're going to give you a picture of that the best that we can. And so that uh, is part of what what is God's will for our life. And in this season that we're in especially, that we're looking for opportunities, okay? God's expectation, I believe, is, is not that we 
do everything for everybody. We can't. But who's in your path? Who's in your path? As we have opportunity, what opportunities are around you? At least give the Lord an opportunity to prompt you. Um, yesterday, we had a missionary come to our church, and you know we do a thing called the Legacy Offering every year, and we give to um, certain projects. So this year, the projects are uh, Convoy of Hope. If you're not familiar with Convoy of Hope, it's a program that does disaster relief missions work all over the world through the Assemblies of God. Uh, then there's another thing called the Ability Tree, which is a ministry that that looks after people with children that have disabilities, so that we're raising money to do that. So that's an opportunity that here are some people in my path that I can help. I've got to at least pray, Lord, what are you prompting me to do with this offering this year? And so you have opportunities around you, okay? What can I do to extend your mercy and grace to others? This, this is God's will for our life. And we reap what we sow, by the way. We all need mercy and grace. You know, I'm, I'm of the mindset sometimes that I've got to make it happen. I read lots of books on, you know, success or motivation, business practices, that kind of thing, you know. Um, and, you know, the, the steps and, and, you know, strategies and all that stuff. And, and that stuff's important, Um. But ultimately, grace is something that we can't earn, that God just pours on us, and it humbles us. It should. If you've received grace from God, you know, and and all of us have to some degree, if you've received his forgiveness, his mercy, but then you've received blessings that you know you don't deserve, then it it shouldn't be something we have to plot and plan to do, maybe reminded to do, but mercy and grace should flow out of us, just something that... We want to do something. Now, what can happen is we can get um, paralysis by analysis, you know. We can go, hmm, let me think about this. Let me look at the budget. Let me, you know, and try to come up with a strategy for giving. And, And sometimes we need to do that. Don't get me wrong. Get a strategy for how we're going to give in 2023, who we're going to give to, uh, that kind of thing. Nothing wrong with that. Prayerfully doing that. You know, God can lead you about what he wants you to do today or what he wants you to do next year or the next five years, you know? And so there's nothing wrong with all that. But then there are those moments where we just need to go, okay, this wasn't in my plan. Um, I'm walking down the road and all of a sudden God causes me to see this this guy that's been beaten and robbed laying on the side of the road, and we are prompted to do something right now. And I just say, give yourself that opportunity in this season. If your church is doing certain things, if, you know, man, it's a great Hope Community Church in West Virginia, by the way, in Hedgesville, West Virginia, they asked me to uh, promote their Christmas Eve service. They know a lot of people won't come to church most of the year, but they'll come on Christmas Eve. Uh, and I'm, your church is probably doing something too. I'm just giving Hope a shout out and Clover Hill a shout out and uh, the churches that I know that are doing something that asked me to say something. Um, but maybe that, maybe listen for the Lord to prompt you to say, hey, that person you work with, they've been beaten and robbed by life. And they, they need some some bandaging. They need some oil and some wine, right? Uh, maybe the Lord will prompt you to invite them to your Christmas Eve service. Uh, but I think that we just need to be looking for those opportunities. Paul said in one part of uh, one scripture, make the most of every, every opportunity. This season is a great season to make the most of the opportunity and invite people to, to church or to do something. You know, it does acts of kindness don't look 
as weird. Sometimes we can look weird when we randomly do something for somebody. Uh, don't be afraid of that, by the way. Go ahead and look weird. But it's that it is the season, right? So, yeah, part of the answer to that question is that we are people that are extending the love of God, uh, which means we're showing mercy and grace to others around us. I mean, that, I mean, really, it's all wrapped up in that. Jesus said it all hangs on that. Love God. Most of us don't have a problem with that, but love your neighbor as yourself. Who is your neighbor? Sometimes somebody that's completely different than you, a different political opinion. Man, the enemy, by the way, is just nonstop 24-7 trying to drive a wedge between us. Uh, The media just plays into it because everybody loves a fight. Uh, Caution yourself. Don't let yourself get jaded. People are people. It's not us against them. Sure, be a patriot or whatever and and vote at the, the ballot box for the values you believe in, but ultimately realize we're a citizen of the kingdom of heaven called to forward the kingdom of heaven, and that is to ex- means to extend God's love, God's mercy, God's grace to everyone we can, those that are in our path, that we have opportunity, those that are around us. Ask God, what do you want me to do? You know, lead me today, Lord. Where do you want me to give my time, my talent, my treasure? Show me. And uh, I believe he'll, he'll respond to that prayer. And, and I believe that when we do that, um, we are sowing seeds for our own blessings. I really believe that, that when we show mercy and grace to others, there's mercy and grace being stored up for us, more mercy, more grace being stored up for us. And so there you go. I hope you got something out of that. I hope you have a very Merry Christmas. Got to give a public hallelujah to my awesome wife. We celebrated 40 years of marriage. We've known each other for 46 years, met in the seventh grade. We've been married for 40 years uh, this past Sunday. And uh, was it Sunday? No, Saturday. Saturday. And uh, we went out to dinner. Hopefully we get to do something bigger down the road. But we had all these family issues to take care of with my grandson being born and helping my daughter and all that. And we just get buried by it sometimes. Uh, But anyway, God is a miracle worker to give us 40 years together. Uh, It hadn't been without challenge. Those of you that are married uh, know that. Which brings me to one last uh, idea, you know. Extending mercy and grace to others doesn't mean just uh, paying for their gas at the pump or something or paying for somebody's meal. It can be those things. Don't get me wrong. But it can be taking whatever skill, whatever business, whatever ability that you have, and that's the, the, the motive behind it. That's the thrust behind it. So when we put out music videos and things like that, we've been putting out lyric videos. We put out one to a song called Wait. Um and, you know, it was kind of a way of, uh, I mean, we did several songs that have to do with relationships to say that God has blessed us with a marriage that we don't deserve. We love each other more today than ever before, and we spend most of our lives together, every waking moment just about. And God has caused us to love each other and want to do, and not without challenge, okay, don't get me wrong, it's not perfect, you guys that are married know that, but but so the mercy and grace that God has shown us in our marriage we're, we're trying to say, okay, music is something we have, so we're going to put this out there to influence people uh, in a positive direction toward, toward the Lord, toward a biblical you know, approach to relationships and marriage and that kind of thing. So whatever it is that God has given you, let that be, you know, when you look at, uh, I don't, I always use Chick-fil-A as an example, but why do they do what they do over the top? I believe at the core of it all, Truett Cathy was like, I want to glorify God through my chicken sandwich, <laughs> you know, so 
It's not just what we can do at Christmas, though this is a great season to do it. It is the thrust. As you go into the new year, you know, Lord, this year I got an idea. I want to do this thing. I want to start this idea, this business, create this thing, step into this ministry, whatever it is. Uh, behind it all is an effort to extend your love, your mercy, and your grace to others. I believe God shows up when that's our motive. All right, I'm done. Bless you. Have a very merry Christmas and a happy new year because I probably won't be back until Tuesday the 3rd after uh, the new year. Bye. Sometimes falling angels fly Just a reminder that Life on the Verge is a debt-free, fully donor-funded 501c3. All your gifts are tax-deductible, and we appreciate them. You can find out more at Life on the Verge, make your donation there, or you can find the address to mail your gift to. Thanks again for listening. We appreciate you so much. God bless.